there was a there was a, a, a lady called Kathy Moore, and her kind of whole thing was was think about the content last, but think about the the way that you you know what you want people to achieve and how you want them to practice it first. Hi everyone, and welcome to this episode of the EdTech Podcast part of the VocTech podcast Learning Continued series, which seeks to explore the intersection of adult learning and tech. This series is supported by UFI VocTech Trust, and my name is Sophie Bailey. For those who listened in to episode 196 on building back better in remote working, here's a message from a listener which might resonate with many of you listening in. It said, hello, just listened to your episode 196. So interesting, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Some points really resonated in, and I'll put in here, anonymous employer. They've just pushed through teams very quickly with no support. A colleague told my boss that it made her feel sick. She was so worried and has decided to leave as a result. I think we have a lot left to learn to build back better. So thank you very much for sending that in, Listener X. Uh, I've kept that anonymous so we don't increase the unemployed statistics uh, by one overnight. Um, But yeah, I think we're definitely in this phase of the pandemic where perhaps some of the flaws in our execution of using technology are, are becoming apparent. Um, and I'm pretty sure we're at that point in the pandemic where just pushing on through uh, won't work for much longer. Now, a quick message from us. These are rapid times of change and we'd like to help facilitate any experiences and knowledge between you as listeners. So two things for you. Number one, if you'd like to write a blog for us at the EdTech podcast for our guest blog feature, which we'll mention on the podcast, do get in touch. We're looking for constructive thoughts on how to improve digital teaching and learning and administration from early years right up through higher education and into the workplace. If this is something you'd like to get involved with, do get in touch. Or if you've got something you'd love to get off your chest on the EdTech podcast, either as a group record a book review, a news review or something else, then do let us know. We're keen for the community audience we've built up to share with one another as much as possible. So uh, the email you'll need is the edtechpodcast at gmail.com and we will be sure to get back to you as soon as we can. Right, announcement over. In this week's episode, we throw back to a past recording with John Brindle, a learning technologist at the University of Liverpool, who offers up lots of useful frameworks for those who might be finding themselves thrown into the world of learning technology and online learning pedagogy and all the head scratching that entails. So here we go. Here's the recording with John. Do stay in touch with any thoughts, comments, brain processing with all that's going on and uh, have a great week everyone. So yeah it's fantastic to have John Brindle who is a learning technologist at uh, the University of Liverpool um, the management school uh, department so welcome John. Hi there you okay? (laughs) Not too bad thank you. Um, What's the weather like where you are? Uh, freezing cold a room that I think has been built on an Indian burial ground because I'm freezing in here 
okay it just makes me feel slightly better yeah it's also quite uh chilly down here um so uh for our listeners a little bit of background um john joined the management school as a learning technologist uh focusing on the thoroughbred horse racing industry mba um Prior to joining the University of Liverpool Management School, John worked as an e-learning developer for a large pharmaceutical company where he designed a wide range of retail and management development training modules. He has also worked as a TEL content developer for the School of Life Sciences, focusing on continuing professional development with the Postgraduate School of Medicine and spent 10 years teaching in and leading a department within a sixth form college. He has a broad understanding of learning and teaching strategies, particularly in relation to the use of technology, and is skilled at working with subject matter experts to translate their courses into blended and fully online student experiences. So welcome, John. Thank you very much. That, sound, that sounds quite impressive, actually. I'm it does, quite, it uh, does. Impressed with myself. So first of all, let's talk about learning technology in relation to thoroughbred horse racing. Um, how does all that work? So um, the thoroughbred horse racing um, MBA um, kind of came out of uh, an industry requirement. Um, so um, the, the university has been running it for a number of years now, but we, we actually looked at a redesign uh, a couple of years ago where we, we actually started looking at fully blending the course for students. So what we have is we've got, we've got um, predominantly workplace learners. So these are part-time students who are working within the industry or who are changing careers to come and work within the thoroughbred horse racing industry. Um, so yeah, it's very interesting because we, we've used technology. We, we used a, a number of design principles to um, integrate technology into the teaching. So we could put six of the core MBA modules online for the students and then the thoroughbred horse racing industry specific six modules. They can then study um, on campus with us um, with some blended content as well. So it's, it's it's really interesting. It's been a really interesting project, actually. Um, and 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 so I'm guessing there is uh, quite a legacy industry in terms of thoroughbred horse racing in Liverpool, but it's not my forte. So it's not mine either. I mean, we have um, access to to Aintree um, Racecourse, which has a real deep right. heritage, and we've actually been over and done some work with with Aintree and spoken and interviewed their executives so that we can we can produce great content with the students um there so um i think it's come out of it was born out of the, the kind of requirement for the industry and because we have specialties in sports management here um it kind of came from that which is it's, it's again it's, it's fascinating because i i started two years ago so already this course was established but i started with the redesign um two years ago which is quite and so cool. was was the main objective of that redesign is that to make it more accessible for people who are busy and working as well as studying it is, yeah. So it's to make sure that the, the, the course is flexible. So we've done things, we, we trialed a few things on on one of the cohorts who, who were studying on the previous course. So we looked at mobile first learning mm. so that the learners could you know learn on the go. So we, we did some work with, um, with Blackboard um, and their new version um, of um, Blackboard Learn. And they, uh, they let us use their latest version to, to push mobile first learning which was really useful for the students and now we're currently moving um provider at the university so that we can we can offer more mobile content and things like that um so it's little things like that it's making it so that it can integrate into the everyday working life is is, is really important so that these people aren't taking lots of time away from their day jobs um, and also it can open up some international appeal as well for us 
in terms of uh, some of the content, could you enlighten us as to, you know, what might be, um, you know, what might form part of that content if you're studying thoroughbred horse racing management? Yeah, so it's 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 a lot of it is um, we use a lot of video content and uh, it's a lot of it is about management skills. So there's things like finance within there. So we have a we have yeah. a, a brilliant finance tutor who's created some great videos on uh, talking the students through some key points in finance. Um, and it's it's general management skills that we've kind of dealt with. And then also they study. Um, we have a, a campus where they can go and study uh, equine welfare. Mm-hmm. So with the veterinary school as well. So it's integrated with the veterinary school. It's not just management, because obviously the welfare of the horse is really important to to these people. Um, so it's and, and to us as well. <laughs> but it's so it's it's yeah. great. It's it's a really interestingly structured course. And have you had the chance to kind of um, experiment with any other technologies as you in your role, um, either at University of Liverpool or um, um, other previous uh, jobs? Yeah, so we, we've looked at it. So the, my, my rule with technology is generally the technology comes last. So we kind of align everything that we do to the outcomes. Um, so it's all, all based on constructive alignment. So if we can enhance that experience with a bit of technology, then that's quite, it's important to look at how we can enhance and how that then feeds forward to what the students are going to learn and ultimately, ultimately produce uh, as now uh, as a, as a, an assessment. So what we, uh, what we've looked at previously is um, we've, I developed a a system, an artificial intelligence system that um, took videos the students had reflected, turned them into word clouds so they could see the general gist, but then it would use sentiment analysis to analyze whether that student was being positive or negative in their main language. So they could get an idea of self-reflecting based on a video that they created that was, Hmm. you know, all went through IBM Watson to then transcribe produce a word cloud and, and and analyze the sentiment of that. So some really cool little things because the students could then look at that word cloud and go, oh, actually this, this topic that we've been discussing, I've not been feeling great about that. So how can I address that? So trying to help look at self-reflection as well, because I think a lot of things, uh, and that was, that was again, focused around MBA. I think a lot of things with MBA is, is, is those practical skills of being able to reflect and apply that learning. So we can use technology to enhance that. It just kind of helps a little bit. Really and we use, yeah. we use these really cool um, little swivel robots and you just put an iPad in the top and it follows the student when they walk around and things. It's dead cool. It's fun. I, I, I love technology. So it's kind of doing little things like that. It's, it's really good fun. So, so the robots, what, what was the purpose of that one? Well, it was actually more ease of use because the students just had to push one button to record a video and then push the button again and it would upload to the cloud. So it was, it was kind of, it was mainly for the software, but then the fact that we had the flexibility that if we wanted to use it to say record um, them giving a presentation and if they moved, then the, 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 they would always stay in the center of the frame. Hmm. Whenever wow. they were moving around. So it kind of makes it a little bit better in terms of the, the, what they're looking at and whether they can look at their own body language while they're presenting and things like that as well. Fascinating. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so interesting because so much of uh, connecting with other people is, you know, the words we choose and how we convey messages and um, usually you just kind of get through it and onto the next thing. So being able to take stock and learn and uh, from that experience as well must be huge. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really cool. And and obviously my role, I'm not, 
an academic i'm not student facing but it's my role is to help these students help the the academics to and encourage them to use technology in a really constructive way with their with their students and um, because you know often you know lecturers are using you know they've got huge numbers of people in a classroom and mm. you know how can they enhance that experience you know it might just be simply using a polling app like poll everywhere or something like that to, to just gauge the room and, and get mm. some ideas of what questions might be coming up but it can get into more complex territory as well like you know doing things uh, like the, the artificial intelligence and uh, i'm writing a, a twitter bot at the moment that, that scrapes twitter and produces analysis based on a, ha- a hashtag as well so it's just it's just fun it's just lots of little interesting fascinating things and uh it, yeah <laughs> and, how, and how did you get into it john how did you get into learning technology so it was through um so i was when i was a um so i was a teacher for 10 years and then uh, I moved into them being, a, I was a professional musician for two years as well. Oh, wow. um, I played as a guitar player for, uh, I went around the country and stuff like that. And what were your um, band calls? I'm going to have to ask um, that now. <laughs> we were a cabaret band called Popwork, yeah. So okay. I did a bit of work with them. And then I went out on my own as well with an acoustic guitar, but we won't talk about that, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but they, um, they uh, so then I, I saw an opportunity as, uh, to do um, content development. So my background is multimedia design, really, mm-hmm. not music. So um, I got into content development for the, the School of Life Sciences, as you mentioned. And we're actually one of the academics there, um, the academic uh, learning technologists. It encouraged me to do my master's degree um, in blended and online education. So I'm just finishing that now. I'm just writing my, my dissertation up. Um, and that's, I've done that through Edinburgh Napier university and, uh, it's really inspired me to kind of keep going. So I started that when I was in the life sciences and then went into e-learning development for the pharmacy company, um, which was totally different. The culture, it was very, very different. Um, so actually instead of aligning to learning objectives, trying to align to key performance indicators and yep. you know prove return on investment for training and things like that and then coming back to our management school armed with some of that knowledge has it's been really interesting so it was kind of i kind of built myself up to, to learning technology so it's been been quite interesting in that way uh, wow. yeah. so, um, you must be feeling really relieved to be coming towards the end of your master's but perhaps thinking you know what do I do next after that that's it yeah well yeah I'm, I'm starting to think about what I want to do next and it's a little bit I'm not too I'm not too sure whether to go to the next level or not yet but I may I might do I've got some ideas but I, I don't know whether to go that far with what I'm doing I'm quite I, I thoroughly enjoy what I do you see so here so it's quite um interesting but I'll, uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm not, nothing's off the table yet yeah. <laughs> you mentioned also um working in the pharma company the different culture there yeah um, which is interesting because our our guest that's out on the podcast at the moment is again within sort of corporate training and that that uh sort of tension between trying to prove your return on investment etc yeah um she mentions that as well um but I just wondered, you know, from that experience working in that environment, what your kind of takeaways were. So I think the key thing for me, so the, there was a there was a, a, a lady called Kathy Moore, and she's got a brilliant website that details a lot of the methods that that we that I used, mm-hmm. um, and I used a couple of different methods um, that I integrated together, and um, and her kind of whole thing was was think about the content last. But think about the the way that you you know what you want people to achieve and how you want them to practice it first. So if you've got, for example, um, 
I'll try, I'm trying, trying not to be pharmacy specific here, but if you've got to increase the uptake of a flu jab service mm-hmm. um, for a, far, a retail pharmacy, the, you need to know what people need to do to be able to do that first and then how they can practice doing that and then the content they need to do it. So your content comes last. I'd always say to, to anybody when they're, they're trying to align to a, to a specific objective is take the objective first and then how people are going to demonstrate that objective, how they're going to practice demonstrating that objective, and then what information they need to, be, need to effectively practice that. And you can then imp- you can implement behavior changes that way as well. I was just about to say, so it's more about the behavioral change and then... It is, yeah. And then, you know slotting in the content that you you kind of want them to look at but actually how you're going to motivate them to actually get their head around first of all totally so then um when we we did everything um we changed uh, well i changed the uh the 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 way that we approached um the e-learning to be more scenario based so it was a patient walks through the door and they pick up LEMSIP. You know, we're, we're in the winter, so people pick up LEMSIP all the time. You know, how do you how do you talk to the patient about that purchase? You know, there's there's a duty that a pharmacy has to make sure the medicines they're selling, even if the things that you can pick up in the supermarket, is correct. Right. So right. they have to ask. They have specific questioning that they should be using, and um, it was a kind of direct um, response to a witch report that the pharmacy industry had, um, where they found that all of the big retail pharmacy companies weren't asking the correct questions of patients. Mm. So we, we use that as a launch pad to then build content that always ensured that they were asking those questions. Uh, they couldn't get all the information out of the patient unless they did ask the correct questions. Um, so we used a, a framework called CAF, which is a context challenge action feedback. So you give them a, a context so that the person walks into the into the pharmacy. You challenge them to respond to that patient so they have to take some action. And then they get feedback, and that's either intrinsic feedback, so built into the conversation they're having, or extrinsic at the end um, and delayed feedback where they get feedback that says, well, you asked these questions right, but you didn't ask these ones correctly. Go back to the beginning and have another go. Um, and making those interactions really short as well so that you know pharmacies are extremely busy yeah so making making them extremely short and punchy so that the information's there they can work through the scenario and if they need to they can take it again in a matter of minutes um not not delaying that that chance to have another go until they get it right i mean what's quite interesting about that is i i think a lot of people listening in will be able to take something from that in their own scenario anyhow but just because we're all under time pressure and you know needing to to kind of hit these objectives that we're set as well yeah i think it's it's, it's key because uh, you know, my sixth form teaching was was based around vocational education so it was it was btech um so i know it was i had that understanding of how you make things kind of vocationally aligned and, and authentic for students and, and then authentic for you're working in an industry. It has to be authentic because you can't baffle them with academia because they don't want to know that. They just want to know what they need to do to get the job right. And you know, what's your kind of take on where vocational education is now? Um, I, I'm very interested by vocational education. I've, I've, because I've been out of, of kind of sixth form for for a number of years, I could see I can really see the value in apprenticeships and, and things like that. You know, it, within the within the team that I was in, we had amazing apprentices who were who were 
fantastic and really got a lot of value out of the apprenticeship experience. Um, and I can see the positive um, impact that that's had on, on some young people who might not want to go and study A-levels or things like that. Um, I'm not sure what, this, what BTECs are doing at the minute because I, I, really, I was a really big advocate of BTEC. I thought that they were some of the best qualifications that we could offer um, because they were so vocational, but you could build your assessment how you wanted it to kind of fit so that you could fit it around the equipment that you had in the in the college um so yeah it's it's, it's very interesting um you know right now in universities you know we're finding there's a big push to authentic assessment so assessment mm -hmm. that mimics industry so i think we're really taking little bits of that vocational education and trying to feed them through certainly one of the kind of um hallmarks of Liverpool teaching now is, is authentic assessment and we're trying to work with academics to improve that. Fantastic. Um, final question. Um, what future tech and trends are you seeing? So across, not just so, vocational, but you know, everywhere that you're picking up bits and bobs. So um, I actually spoke uh, early last year um, at a manufacturing event um, about my work in the pharmacy and, and warehouse automation and things like that. I think that the danger is we're looking at, you know, it, everyone's kind of throwing out AI and everyone's throwing out mm. automation. But I think it's, it's, it's ethics is more is the biggest thing that we need to kind of think about in the future and the ethical use of technology and the way that if we're producing smarter artificial intelligence um, bots that can do uh, greater data analysis, how are we implementing that ethically and how are we thinking about the impact that that's going to have on the future? You know, we always hear the talk, we've got um, Education 4.0 that JISC have kind of um, spearheaded. And actually, I, I spoke about that at the Alt-C conference uh, this year um, with uh, Professor Julie Salmon. And we, we ran a workshop on, on what are the future things, what are the barriers to enabling education 4.0. And it was really interesting to see that everybody came up with the same things. You know, it was systems. So I think universities need to get a handle on the way that their systems support future technology. So when we do come into looking at, you know, analytics and, and big data and artificial intelligence and how we can use those to kind of facilitate and enhance experience, I don't think you're ever going to get rid of teachers. I don't think you're ever going to get rid of learning technologists, I hope. Um, but I think it's, uh, I think more and more we're going to be seeing that kind of support from those things. So curated content is quite a good one where mm -hmm. artificial intelligence can help because artificial intelligence can help curate content that kind of fits into um, what you're studying and what you're learning. Um, yeah, so that's that's really, I think, it, yeah, it, I kind of talked around it a little bit there, but it's it's kind of, I think definitely ethics is is, is my, my big thought is that it's less about the technology, it's more about the people and, and, and what we do with the people as a result of changes in technology. I, I um, was interviewing the head of Salesforce France uh, last month and he talks about um, Industry 5.0 uh, yeah. and that and that will be you know um the fourth industrial revolution plus ethics yeah <laughs> um yeah i think that's a massive one ethics and philosophy and building that in but um, yeah i mean we've got to yeah we did, there's a there's a, a great book i can't remember the author now it's called life 3.0 and he talks about the technology the uh intelligence explosion where where artificial intelligence becomes um, more, he calls it general artificial intelligence. So something that isn't programmed to do a specific thing, mm -hmm. but is generally intelligent. 
Um, and he talks about that possibly coming into fruition and whether that will happen in our lifetime or whether it will happen at all is, is very much up in the air at the minute. And that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. Life 3.0, I think it's called. I can't remember yeah. the name of the author though. Max Tegmark. I have that's got it all. at home as well, but I'm, yeah. I, I, I think I'm about a third of the way through it and then my yeah. human brain gets off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, but no, it's a good one. I, I enjoyed yeah. that. Um, Brilliant. Well, um, if people want to find out a little bit more about your work or follow what you're doing, are you a Twitter person or how do you go about I am on, yeah. what you're up to? I'm on Twitter, so um, I'm, I'm quite active on Twitter. So I'm at John Brindle Tell, all one word, um, and that's uh, B-R-I-N-D-L-E. Um, and yeah, I generally post about what I'm doing. Um, I'm going to get back into blogging. I feel like I should be blogging a little bit more. So I'm going to start looking at that again. I do have a um, uh, a blogging space, but it's it's currently um, under construction. <laughs> under construction. I love yeah. that. Okay, brilliant. Well, John, thank you so much. I really enjoyed all your frameworks that you shared with us as well, because I think it's always useful to have something to uh, tackle um, the challenges with. So thank you for sharing those and uh, yeah, keep in touch as well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for having me, Sophie. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everyone. We've got more Build Back Better episodes coming up with insights into the working lives of those building our new realities in remote working and online learning. And every Thursday, I'll try and get out a uh, throwback episode to pre-COVID times for a bit of light relief as well. So for now, thanks so much to John, to UFI Voctech Trust, And to you all for listening in, Um, I'm busy working hard on our new series coming uh, online in September. And uh, also we've got episode 200 uh, coming up soon. So um, I don't even know yet who will be featured on that episode. So hopefully um, it will be one to remember. And um, yeah, thanks again. Have a great week. Bye-bye.